Hello, Soul City. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. I apologize for your pastor's destruction of my name. Uh, he, there was like half Chicago, half Chicano with a little bit of Jared mixed in there. It, it, it's actually not Colito. My, my name is Carlos. And I know in Chicago, you know how to say my name. So can, can you just make me feel a little bit more at home and just give me a good afternoon, Carlos. Yes, I'm back home. Way better than Jarrett. Good job. Uh, so excited to be with you guys. I, we had a blast the first service, and I think we're going to have a good time this service as well. Uh, Jarrett's right. I, I, was, I was a part of when Jarrett and Jeannie were just kind of dreaming up what Soul City was. I remember him telling me over coffee, we're dreaming about this church. And, uh, and then I went to like the vision night they had in Atlanta. Ten years ago this week, he had a vision night. And I went and I took pictures that night. And when, when I went that night, I fell in love with the idea. My wife and I actually almost moved here um, to plant the church. The, the mistake I made is, is we came to visit in January. Uh, and, and so we're still, we're not here yet. Um, but, uh, but, but, and now to, 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 to be in his living room with only 14 of us, and now to be standing on this stage, friends, this church is a miracle of God. It is, it is so, so incredible to see everything that's going on. So, you know, I'd say, I'd say that this church is in a season of abundance and a season of blessing. Um, and, and, and it's good to, it's, it's good to, to, to brag a little bit when, when you are in a season of abundance and a season of blessing and a season of God's anointing, because Lord only knows that for a lot of our, a lot of our lives, we're not in seasons of abundance for, for in a lot of our lives, you know, I'd say half the room in here, maybe you've come in here and things are really good. Things are incredible. They, or, or things are maybe just okay, but then maybe the other half of you guys, you've come in here and, and think you're struggling, you know, and things are tough. And I want to talk to both sides of you guys this morning. The, the, the first people I want to talk to for a second, though, are those of you who walked in here and, and things are pretty good. I mean, th- things, are, things are really good. And again, it's okay to let people know when, when things are really good in your life. And um, you guys, th- there's, we're going to talk for just a few minutes about what does it look like when you're in a season of blessing in your life, what, what does it look like to steward that well? You know, I happen to be in a really incredible season of blessing about eight years ago. It was, it was actually incredible. It was one of those seasons where, like, like everything you did, everything you touched, we just turned to gold. Every single thing, like every business decision I made, every family decision I made, even the mistakes I was making were turning into gold. It was like such an incredible season. I started walking around with like a little bit of swagger because things are so, so good. I actually, I actually even have video evidence of this happening in my life. I have like video proof of me making a mistake and it turning to gold. Let me, let me tell you. My, my family and I were in the car in Atlanta at the time. We were driving to a Braves game and my kids are in the backseat of the car and that Beyonce song, all the single ladies comes on. You guys know the single ladies? Don't act like you don't know that song. I know you guys know that song. And my kids are singing all the single ladies. And so I pull out my phone to record my kids singing all the single ladies because I think it's kind of cute. I want to send it to my mom in L.A. But halfway through the song, I decided to tell my then two-year-old son that he is, in fact, not a single lady. <laughs> the devastation in his ethos was so massive that the video, I was like, you know what? I, I'm not going to send this to my mom. I'm going to upload this to this brand-new website called YouTube. <laughs> Little did I know. What would happen 24 hours later? Let me show you how even my mistakes in this season of life turned to gold. Watch this. The Whitaker family of Atlanta was in the car just singing along to Beyonce's hit song, Single Ladies. 
And then the family fun took an unexpected turn. Masai, you're not a single lady, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're a single lady. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Look, buddy, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. You can do it. Buddy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. You're a single lady, okay? Okay? Here we go. If you like it, then you got a better ring on it. Sorry. Did that hurt your feelings? You can be a single lady if you want, okay? I'm a horrible father. You want to be a single lady? <laughs> I'm a horrible father. Okay. So, you can applaud my horrible fatherhood. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's fine. The reason why I say that this mistake turned to gold wasn't just because 7.4 million people saw it overnight. We were on all the shows, the Today Show... The Early Show, Good Morning America, The Ellen Show, The Jimmy Kimmel Show, all the shows wanted to have the horrible father that made his son cry come on to the show. And, and so, like, we, we have the 15 minutes, right? The 15 minutes of fame that happened was ever. But, but it, what people didn't know was, was two weeks after this video went viral, I had a record coming out. Uh, it, it was a very mediocre worship record, honestly. It wasn't very good. It was like a C minus. But, but because I made my son cry on this YouTube viral video, it went number one. It was like number one across the planet. Like it was, it was like the top worship record on the planet. And I'm like, this is not even very good, but God, you're awesome. It's amazing. And I'm, I start walking around with this little bit of swagger. Like it's like, well, this is pretty good, right? And then, I mean, it kept going seven months after this video went viral. My family got flown from Atlanta, Georgia to Los Angeles, got picked up in a limousine at LAX, got driven to the Staples Center. We got out of the, the limo, walked down a red carpet, and on national television, Queen Latifah herself handed me a Crystal People's Choice Award for Viral Video of the Year. I won a trophy for making my son cry. I'm telling you, I could do no wrong. Nothing. Everything was so good. And I'm telling you, in this season, I'm just walking around with a swagger. I mean, look at me. Look at my blessings, look at my abundance, but, there's always a but, let me give a little bit of warning, and this is the warning if you're in a season of abundance right now, the warning is this, when, you, when you're in a season of abundance and of blessing, the danger is we begin to believe that we are the ones responsible for the blessing in our life, and why I say that's a warning is because it gets dangerous when you start to believe that. Because when you start to believe that you're the one responsible for the blessing, you start believing that you're God. But when you look in Scripture, Scripture does not say every good and perfect gift comes from your hustle. That's <laughs> not what it says. You know what it says? It says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every. Not some. Every. But here, listen, I'm in a city of hustlers. I know. I'm one myself. And we can begin to believe when our hustle pays off that it's us, but it is not you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Because even the skill set that you have, God gave that to you. God gave it to you. So you can't take credit for any of it. Why it's so dangerous 
is because we're standing in abundance and light. And I was standing in abundance and light. Things are going great. I mean, I've got this record went number one on iTunes and all this incredible stuff. We're winning trophies for making my son cry. Everything's like perfect. It's amazing. And I look over here into darkness. And when you're starting to take credit for the blessing in your life, you look over in darkness and think, I wonder if I can have some of that too. And inevitably what happens is you just, I, I stepped over into darkness for just a second, and then I hop back over into light. It's like, oh, hey, look, nobody found out. It's, it's fine. No one found out. Look at that. I wonder if I can do that again. I hop back over into darkness for just a little bit, maybe just a day this time, and then hop back over into light. Hey, look at that. I still pulled it off. Nobody knows. My family's still together. Everything's still fine. This is great. And before you know it, you believe that you can dance between light and dark. And friends, friends, here's the warning. You cannot exist dancing between light and dark. Inevitably, you will stop dancing and you will start drowning. And I found myself, not but a few months after this video went viral, we won this award, records are going number one. I'm in my condo and we, we had recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee right after this. And I was in the back room with my kids. We were playing a game and I smelled dinner cooking and I went out to find my wife to ask her what was for dinner. It smelled amazing. And I walked into the kitchen and dinner was still on the stove and it was still boiling, but she wasn't in there. And I, and I said, Heather, babe, what's for dinner? It smells so good. And she wasn't on the back patio. We lived in a small condo. Then I walked to the living room and immediately when I saw her not in the living room, my heart began to pound. Because you know when you have a secret sin and you're about to be discovered. And I sprinted out to the driveway and the minivan was gone. I sprinted back into the condo and my laptop was gone. And I knew in one moment I was no longer dancing between light and dark. I was drowning. I sprinted to the back bedroom, I grabbed my three little kids and I put them on the bed. With tears in my eyes, I began to apologize to them. Daddy's made a big mistake. Sayana, baby, listen, I made a big mistake. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going to happen, but listen, I promise I'm going to make things right. And I'm like pleading with them, and I'm crying, and they don't know why I'm crying. And before I could finish my speech, there's a knock on the front door. It's my best friend, Blake, and his wife, Allie. And they have this look of pity on their face. And they said, Heather knows everything. Your secret's out. She wants the kids, and she wants you out. And friends, so began the darkest season of my life. I lost everything because I thought that I was the one responsible for the blessing in my life. I thought that I could dance between light and dark. And let me tell you, friends, I moved in with my friend Blake and his family. I lost my family. I lost my career. I lost my friends. And it was such a dark season. And I'll be honest with you, I was so angry at God. I was so angry at God. And let me tell you why. You may be thinking, well, you did this to yourself. Well, here's the truth. I loved Jesus and I loved my family. And I, I, I was a good guy. But my sin was so strong, I couldn't get past it. I tried everything to stop sinning. I read all the books. I listened to all the podcasts. I didn't want to do this to my family. But inevitably, the darkness took me down. It was stronger than me. And I was so angry at God, and I shook my fist at him, and I said, why did you let me do this to my family? I didn't want to do this to my family. I was so angry. Now, here's the beautiful thing about God. 
is God is not scared of your anger. For those of you right now that are angry at God, I need, I need to let you know. Tell him. He's not scared of your anger. God is so big. His love is so massive that he's not scared of our feelings. Because the truth is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't depend on how you feel. You may feel a thousand miles away from God right now. I did. I'm living with, a, uh, with Blake and his family. I haven't talked to my family in months. I'm shaking my fist at God. I felt a thousand miles away from God. The gospel doesn't depend on how I feel. In that moment, as far away as I felt from God, God was right there with me. And I found him again through a text message from a friend of mine. I'm angry at God. I tried. I begged my wife for forgiveness. I tried to get her back. She divorced papers or file. I'm losing everything. And I got a text message from my friend Mike Foster. And it, it, it just had one verse on it. 1 Peter 5.10. It was the only, only thing on the verse, on the, on the text message. And I read it. And this is what it said. It was my first semblance of hope. Watch this. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Did you guys see that? Those are four incredible promises in one scripture, that the God of all grace will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support me. And that would be the greatest scripture on the planet if there was a period right there. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's not. It keeps going. After you of what? Oh, man. So you're telling me, God, that I'm going to have to suffer. Yeah, you are. But there's good news. There's not a period after the word suffered either. What's it say? There's two more words. Suffered a little. And honestly, when I read that, I'm like, suffered a little? God, God my, my, my suffering does not feel like a little. I've lost everything. My suffering is my whole world. But the promise is that the suffering will be a little. And friends, let me tell you. I took that verse. I said, all right, this is it. It's my last shot, God. I'm going to give it one more shot. And I'm not going to try to fix my marriage. Instead, I'm going to fix my eyes on you. Because the promise in this scripture isn't to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support my situation. It's to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support your soul. And friends, when your soul is restored, your situation, I'm telling you, the situation you had, there's nothing, there, it's going to be so much greater than any situation you've ever seen. Only when your soul gets restored. So I said, okay, I'm fixing it. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And my soul began to get restored. And my friends, after a few weeks and months, started saying, well, Carlos, I can see there's something different inside of you. Now, my marriage, that's over. And my situation, I've destroyed it. But my soul was getting restored, and it was incredible. And I'll never forget, ever forget. Even Jarrett, during that season, he texted me, and he's like, I can tell a difference in you. And I'll never forget, seven months after I moved out of my house, seven months after I last heard from my wife, I'll never forget my phone going bzz, bzz, and look, picking it up. And it said Heather on it. And for the first time in seven months, I saw her name on it. And it just said, coffee, question mark. And I said, yes, exclamation point. <laughs> I show up to coffee. And she looked at me. She said, is what I hear true? And I knew that she wasn't going to believe a word out of my mouth. And I just said, you can just watch. And friends, let me tell you, she watched from a distance. And then she watched from this distance. And then she watched from this distance. And then she watched from this distance. 
And the God of all grace, who called me to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, personally restored, established, strengthened, and supported my marriage. And that family that I lost, they're waiting for me right now in Nashville, Tennessee, because God will bring beauty from ashes. He will. But let me tell you, it doesn't always work out that way. Let's be honest, it does, there's some situations in our life that, 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 that we've destroyed so much that that situation may not be restored, but your soul will be. And I promise you, when your soul is restored to the cross of Jesus Christ, your situation is going to be greater than anything you've ever imagined. But you have to get to the place of fixing your eyes on Jesus instead of fixing your situation. Gaze at God and glance at life. We flip that, right? We gaze at life and glance at God. Oh, God, help, and then back to life. No, gaze at God and glance at life. And that's where this story and where the scripture begins to heal. So, so yes, my marriage begins to get healed. We're going to counseling. We're going to therapy. Things are working out. I'm actually, after a couple years of therapy, my marriage is so good. I'm starting to walk with a little bit of that swagger again. I'm like, woo, I got it down. And I'll never forget, I've been going to my therapist, Al, for, we've been going for, to marriage counseling for three years and then Finally, when we were done with marriage counseling, he's like, okay, your marriage counseling is done, but you still need to come. So like, I was still hanging out with Al every single week. And I remember thinking like, Al, bro, when can I stop coming to therapy, man? You're taking all my money. I need, I need you to imagine the one guy you know named Al, and that's exactly what my therapist looked like. Okay, so you got it? And this is what Al said. Al said, Carlos, you are almost done with therapy, but you got to figure out one more thing. I said, what? He said, you have to figure out why you keep rubbing crap on your blessings. Yeah, that sound you just made is exactly what I said. Ooh. I said, excuse me? You can't say that. You're my Christian therapist. He said, no, no, no. Take a look at your life. All throughout your life, every time God blesses you, you find a way to mess it up. And if you don't find out why, if you don't find out why you don't believe you deserve God's blessing, you're going to do it again. Friends, that scared me to death. And I walked out of there, and I, and I, I walked into my car, and I called my dad. My dad, he's the wisest man I know. Dr. Fermin Agustin Whitaker is his name. And I called my dad. My dad is a first-generation immigrant from Colón, Panama. He immigrated with, in 1963 with $20 cash and a shoeshine kit. Showed up to LAX, shined shoes for two years, made enough money for one semester at LA Community College. Got a scholarship that semester, got another scholarship. Then he got a scholarship to UCLA. My dad is now Dr. Fermin Agustin Whitaker. Yeah, right, let's give him a round of applause. That's why, like, I call that man because that man knows the grind, right? He knows, so I call him. He's the wisest man I know. I actually have a picture of my dad right here. We, we got a picture just so you can kind of see the conversation. I mean, look at him. He's, like, living his best immigrant life in his timeshare in Hawaii. <laughs> like, look at me now. Woo! I, and I know half of you guys are thinking, I've seen that man somewhere before. And you're actually right because it's actually also a picture of my dad. My dad is actually the emoji. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was the first time I saw that emoji. I was like, Daddy! <laughs> I don't even text my dad I love you anymore. I just send him 100 of those things a day. It's so, so cool. Okay, so listen. I called my dad. That was just a joke at his expense because we've been talking deep. We need to lighten up the mood for a second. Now listen, this is what my dad said. I said, Dad, Al told me that I keep rubbing crap on my blessings and I need you to tell me why. He said, Oh, Carlitos, I know why you rub crap on your blessings. I said, you do. What can you tell me? He said, yes, let me tell you a story. And I was like, oh, no, when my dad says that, you're screwed. I mean, it's going to be like in 30 minutes. And I was like, dad, I don't have time for a long story. He said, let me tell you a story. When I was in Panama preaching my very first revival, I gave the invitation at the end of my revival. And nobody came to the front to accept Jesus. But one woman, very old lady in the back of the church, Miss Ramirez, she slowly makes her way to the front. 
And she comes to the front and she's crying. And she looks at me with tears in her eyes. She says, Pastor, can you pray for me? And my dad said, of course, I'll pray for you. How can I pray? He said, she said, Pastor, can you please pray that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? And my dad thought, oh, it's very poetic. So he prayed, Lord, clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. He said, Carlitos, night numero dos. Mr. Ramirez comes to the front again. And she's crying again. And I'm thinking she's going to tell me he has done it. He cleaned the cobwebs, but no, no, no. She asks again, please, can you pray harder that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? So my dad said he prayed a little harder. Lord, clean the cobwebs from her life. He said, Carlitos, night numero tres, the third night of the revival. I gave the invitation. Mr. Ramirez slowly makes her way to the front again. And she's still crying. And she looks at me and says, one more time, Pastor. Can you please pray that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? And he said, I looked at her and said, no. We have been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight, we do not pray he cleans the cobwebs. Tonight, we pray he kills the spider. I knew exactly why he told me that story. He said, Carlitos, you are a professional cobweb cleaner. I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs of sin. You can no longer keep going to Al, your therapist, and clean your cobwebs. You must find the root and kill the spider. Friends, it shifted everything, that conversation. And, and, and the beautiful thing is I ended, I ended up killing my spider. I kept going to Al and I identified my spider. I located my spider and I cornered my spider. But here, here's the thing. I love therapy. I'm a big believer in therapy. But you can't kill your spider in a therapist chair. You can only kill your spider with the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. It's the only way. And so what we want to do, though, here's the thing. We, we, want, like a, we, we want like a life hack, right? We want to go to... Barnes and Noble, go down the self-help aisle, pick up a book, and find freedom. But you can't do it that way. You have, that, that's, you, the self-help aisle at Barnes and Noble, is, it's the cobweb aisle. It's what it is. Because let me tell you, I ended up writing a book called Kill the Spider, helping people find their spider. And, and, and the thing is, is we spend all of our time, like Miss Namita, is trying to clean the cobwebs. So I have a definition. Let, let, if you're going to take notes, now's the time. Okay? And we all have these. There's no one in here that's excluded from this. We, li- we remember the story. This is what a spider is. Ready? A spider is an agreement you have made with a lie. Every one of us in this room has them. A spider is an agreement you've made with a lie. This is what you got to get to. This is what you have to kill. But we don't, I mean, our culture doesn't want to deal with this. So instead, we deal with cobwebs. So if a spider's an agreement you made with a lie, what's a cobweb? Here we go. A cobweb is a medicator or a behavior that brings false comfort to the lie. This is where we spend all of our time. This is, this is like P90X infomercial 2 a.m. kind of stuff. This is cobweb stuff like, oh, cobwebs. What are, what are cobwebs? Um, we, we know our cobwebs. What, what is the, the medicator that, that is bringing comfort to your lie? Well, what are some of them? Alcohol? Alcohol is a cobweb. Alcohol is not the spider. Let me say that again. If you think by putting a a, a lock on the liquor cabinet at home, you're going to find freedom, you're wrong. If you think by throwing it all away, you're going to find freedom, you're wrong. That's just cleaning the cobwebs. A cobweb is a medicator or a behavior that brings comfort to a lie. But we're spending all our time trying to stop drinking when you need to find the lie you believe and break that agreement, then you're going to find freedom. What are other ones? Pornography? Artificial intimacy? Going outside the bounds of your marriage? 
Pornography is not the spider. But so many people are focusing all their attention on the pornography. You think by just by putting a porn blocker on your phone or giving your password to your spouse that you're going to be free? No, man. You're still in handcuffs. You're still in chains. That's just cleaning the cobwebs. The pornography is a medicator. And, and they're not all just ugly like that. I mean, they, they, those are ugly cobwebs, pornography, alcohol, drugs. But there's some pretty cobwebs. I'm going to touch all of you in here. <laughs> How about you hard workers? You workaholics. Working your way to the corner office up on your suite. You get that nameplate on the door and you're cobweb your medicator is your work and you believe the lie that your identity is in some nameplate instead of your identity being a son or daughter of God and when you mix those identities up you're in cobweb land I mean my my wife for instance you guys know you've heard her story she's a saint of all saints when I was writing my book kill the spider I thought well she ain't got no problem she she doesn't even read read my book I said babe you don't need my book she's like what do you mean I don't need your book I've got cobwebs and spiders and I was like you do She's like, yeah. My wife, she's an incredible chef. She throws these incredible parties at our home. Our home looks like Pinterest has vomited on every single wall. It's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And like people love to come to our house. And we used to have parties all the time, like twice a week, just people coming over. This is what she said. She told me, my cobweb are these parties that I throw. I said, what do you mean? She goes, because I believe the lie, my spider, that I must do to be loved. You see, see, friends? You all have them. Nobody is excluded from this conversation. And when you finally find the agreement you've made with the lie, you can break it and find freedom. Now, if you want to find your spider, sure. It's pretty, pretty blatantly obvious, but if you don't know what it is, just ask your family. They'll tell you what it is, okay? <laughs> that, that's for cobwebs, okay? That, that's for medicators. Cobweb, ask your family, but you can't ask your family what your spider is. The only way to find your spider is to ask God. You have to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so... I know when I say that a lot in churches or in groups, people are like, oh, I'm checked out now. This guy's talking about hearing from God. I'm done. I don't know if I can do that. Well, I promise you, you can. This is where we're going to get to. Watch this. So we want to hear from God so God can tell us what our agreement is we made with the lie. Step number one, we hear from God when we pay attention. Everybody say pay attention. Okay, you start paying attention in life, you're going to start seeing God speaking way more than you ever thought he did. You see, here's the thing. We, when you believe, when you finally get to the place of becoming a Christian and believing this, this is one crazy book. Like the gospel, that's, it's crazy. And so you kind of have to stop believing in coincidences when you start believing in God. And you start looking around. It's incredible how much God speaks all the time. My, my wife and I were on our way home from Ireland when I first started stepping into this hearing from God thing and paying attention and I'll never forget, we were jet-lagged. We were at the D- Detroit County Airport. We just wanted to get home to Nashville. So I take her to P.F. Chang's in the airport because she loves P.F. Chang's. And we're in there, and, she, and I order her her little favorite, like, lettuce wrap things or whatever. And she's eating the lettuce wrap thing, but she's still exhausted, and she's still grumpy. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell her a funny story to make her laugh. So I decided to tell her the story of this time I was leading worship, and I was singing, and my percussion player forgot his egg shaker. You guys know those egg shakers? That they ch you know those things? So he forgot it. So we had to run to a music store really fast before the worship set so that he could buy an egg shaker. But they were out of egg shakers. They only had a shaker in the shape of a banana. It was, it was a little bit awkward, but whatever. And so the whole time, the whole time I'm, I'm up there singing, I'm looking over, and my buddy's like lifting his hand and shaking his banana in the air. And I just remember, oh, it's so crazy. It was a funny story about a banana. Isn't that funny, babe? And like 97% of you, she looked at me like, that's not funny. She literally said, babe, the, the banana story is not funny. Can we just get the bill and go? 
Fine. Check, please. So I get a check. And at every Chinese restaurant you've ever been to on top of a check, wrapped in shrink wrap and plastic is a what? A fortune cookie. I grabbed my fortune cookie and I cracked it open. And I looked at the fortune and I began to shake. Heather's like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh. Friends, what one word was on my fortune? Anybody? Banana! <laughs> banana! The word banana was on a fortune right when I got done talking about a banana. Listen. <laughs> I, I, I stand up. I'm thinking. I'm looking for Aston Kutcher to come running out. I'm on the show Punk. There's some producer in the back listening to conversations, shoving in fortunes. And I was like, what's wrong? I was like, ah, babe, it says banana. And she saw that it said banana, and she started dying laughing. She thought the Holy Spirit was funny, but not me. And she's like, <laughs> I was like, baby, she says banana. This is what she said to me. She goes, God is, God is just going, psst, psst. She said, we serve a whimsical God. If you're just looking for God in the serious and the mundane, you're going to miss half of them. Because God is speaking in the whimsical. He's speaking in the serious. He's constantly speaking to us. Friends, I, I've opened a thousand, two thousand fortunes in my life. They've all had an actual fortune on them. You will meet a new friend today. You'll make $100 next week. They've never said the word or the fruit I was just talking about. <laughs> I took that fortune home. I put it in a frame next to my bed so that every morning I wake up and I'm reminded... <laughs> Every day I roll over and I'm like, oh, okay, I got to pay attention. <laughs> we have to pay attention. The Lord is speaking. Now, I got half of you, but the other half of you are like, oh, Carlos, that's actually called a coincidence. Yeah, coincidence. That's fine. I'll let, you guys ha I'll let you guys hang out there for the next two and a half minutes. Because here's the truth. The more you pay attention, the more this stuff happens and the less you can call it a coincidence. Holy Spirit is speaking constantly. All day, every day. We serve a conversational God. We serve a God that is speaking to us all the time. And so you start paying attention. He's going to show you the agreement you've made with the lie, your spider. But also, you don't just pay attention. We can get even closer. We hear from God when we pay attention. We also hear from God when we ask questions. Everybody say, ask questions. Ask questions. We serve a specific God. Very specific. So why is it that so many of our prayers are so vague? Oh, God, bless my year this year. Oh, Lord, bless my family. You, you know why we pray those prayers? Let me tell you why. I know why I did. Because I'm scared that if I pray a specific prayer, he won't give me an answer. And then if you ask God a specific question and he doesn't answer, crisis of faith. And we're scared. That's why we don't pray specific prayers. But here's how I know that you all believe in a specific God. Is you pray vague prayers when things are good. But the moment crisis hits, whoosh, your prayers get specific. So what if we started to pray specific prayers all the time? I'm telling you what will happen. He's going to start showing you these spiders, these agreements with lies, and you're going to find so much freedom that you didn't even know that was, was available. Specific, get specific. I have a friend named Marcus. We're, we're in Nashville, and he's, he's like, he knows I love to teach people about hearing from God. And he's like, Carl, so you, I, you travel the country teaching people how to hear from God. I've never heard from God. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I said, I don't, I don't actually believe you. 
let's, let's go to coffee. So we go to coffee. He said, okay. I think he thought I was going to give him like a checklist on how to, how to hear from God. But instead, I looked at him and I said, you're about to hear from God right now. He's like, really? I said, yeah. I want you to ask God where you and I should go to lunch. He's like, what? I said, yeah. He goes, God, God, God's going to answer me where we should go to lunch? That seems silly. I said, well, if God cares about the big things in your life, why wouldn't he care about the small things? I said, ask him. And he, he didn't want to do it. And I know why he didn't want to do it, because he was scared that he wouldn't hear. That's why we don't ask God specific questions. I said, ask him. He said, okay. So he crossed his fingers like this. <laughs> then he kind of looked up to kind of aim his prayer, I think, in the direction where God was. And he's like, dear God, where should me and Carlos go to lunch? And after about 10 seconds, he's like, amen. Like maybe that was going to be the, you got to say amen. <laughs> and I, I let him sit there for like 30 seconds. He was just sweating. He was like, he, like putting fingers in his ears. He's looking around. He's like put, looking at his phone. Maybe God was going to text him. He was just, he was freaking out. I said, did you hear anything? He's like, man. I don't think so. No, like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, well, did you sense anything? Did you feel anything? He's like, oh, oh, feelings, F feelings. We all have feelings. I don't know if that was God. Everyone has feelings. I said, no, 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 no. Don't edit the Holy Spirit. How many times do we edit the Holy Spirit? I said, don't edit. Don't edit. What did you feel when you asked? What did you see? And he didn't want to say it, but I finally made him say it. And he said, okay, I saw that Thai restaurant over in Titan Stadium parking lot. It's called Thai Phuket. He's like, but was it God? I go, well, if that's what you saw, let's go. So we go to Thai Phuket. We actually forget that we'd ask God where to go to lunch. It was a normal lunch. We didn't see, Jesus didn't appear in our Thai chicken curry soup. Like it was <laughs> just normal. So we, we, we leave. We walk out. Marcus goes in the parking lot, gets on his motorcycle. I unfortunately got in my minivan. He's a little younger than me. But <laughs> as, as he gets on that thing. I need you to imagine the most redneck human being you've ever met. And then that human being you're imagining right now comes sprinting out of Thai Phuket. Bam. Hey, man. Hey, man, you. You. Hey, man, you. And he's shaking his finger like this. Kind of his eyes are a little googly. And he's like, hey, man, you. And he's going, you're going to think I'm crazy, man. You're going to think I'm crazy. Hey, man, you. You're going to think I'm crazy. And he comes running up to her and we're like, yes, we think you're crazy. <laughs> he's like, man, you're going to think I'm crazy. And he goes up to Marcus and he looks him in the eye. He goes, you're going to think I'm crazy. But do you sometimes work on your laptop over at that coffee shop called Frothy Monkey? Marcus was like, yeah. He's like, you think I'm crazy? But I was in there the other day and I was reading my Bible. And you came walking in and I felt like God told me to pray for you. But I didn't. I was too chicken and I let you walk out. And I didn't think twice about it. But I was in here in Thai Phuket just sipping on my soup and you came walking in. And oh my God, the whole time I was shaking. Going, oh my God, Holy Spirit's like, you can't let him leave twice. Chase him. So I chase you out here. <laughs> Can I please pray for you? Marcus's eyes <laughs> got this big. And I got in my minivan and left him in the parking lot with that strange man all by himself. <laughs> Marcus called me 10 minutes later, his voice trembling. He said, God answered my specific question. And friends, let me tell you, that parking lot encounter with that redneck crazy man <laughs> has changed Marcus's prayer life forever. Ask God specific questions, and he will give you specific answers. And the specific question today is, Lord, what is the agreement I've made with the lie? What is the agreement I've made with the lie? 
And for some of you, it's gonna, God's going to take you back to your childhood. There was trauma and wounding in your childhood that you have been behaving against cobweb land since your childhood. And you've been trying to clean the cobwebs. But no. And once you find your spider, once the Lord gives you your spider, it's really simple. Watch this. Two scriptures that are going to show you how you know you've killed your spider. This is how you kill it, first of all. In scripture, it shows us. Even in my, in my book, I've taken scripture out. Out of 280 pages in Kill the Spider, there's only one page on actually how to kill the spider. Because the hard part is finding the spider. To kill the spider, this is what you do. You confess the lie. You reject the lie in the name of Jesus. And then you replace the lie with God's truth. Spiders die. Let me say that again. You confess the lie. You reject the lie. You replace the lie. You confess the lie. You reject the lie. You replace the lie. And you find freedom. But then people are like, that sounds so easy. How do I know? It's dead. Well, two scriptures. Romans, watch this. It says, for the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life. Is there a period after the word life? No, there's more than just life. Life and peace. You get more. John 10, 10, for thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. Is there a period after that life? Nope, there's more. There's a comma. Life and have it to the full. Some scriptures say in abundance. This is how you're going to know when you've killed your spider, when you step into abundance. And it's so available. I promise you guys, it's so available when you find and you hear from God and he shows you what it is. You confess, you reject, you replace, and you drive a stake through the heart of that spider. And you step into peace, life to the full, in abundance. And I know, I know because it happened to me. It's, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hear from God. It seems so complicated. And you may try and fail, but I promise you, if you do what I say, if you do what scripture says, you will hear from God every day, and you will step into a conversational relationship with Jesus, and it's going to blow your minds. I was camping with my family, and we'll end with this. The band can come up um, two years ago. And I think this will show you, give you a picture of what life to the full and what it's going to look like to kill your spider. My, my wife and I were um, by the campfire, by the picnic table. We were in the high Sierras uh, by Yosemite. My kids are in the tent. It's a super romantic moment. I have a bottle of wine. I've got my moves on with my wife. We're looking at the stars. I'm saying some lame j- joke about stars in her eyes. Or I can't remember what it was, but I remember it wasn't working, whatever. And so I'm like, babe, look at the stars. And she said, yeah. They're beautiful. Can, can you actually go grab the camera? And can you go take a picture of the stars? It's like, oh, moment ruined. But I go and I grab the camera. And my wife has one of those fancy cameras with the buttons and the dials and the knobs. You know what I'm talking about? I, mean, I don't know how to use that thing. So when you don't know how to use a fancy camera, what mode do you put the camera on? Auto. So I put that puppy on auto mode. I aimed it at the 19,000 stars in the sky. And I took a picture. And I walked over to my wife and I said, hey, what do you think? And this is actually the picture that I took. And she goes, babe, there's 19 stars in that picture. There's 19 million stars in the sky. I said, oh, I know. She said, I, I, do you know how much money you spent on that camera? I know that camera can take a picture of the stars. I said, yeah, but I don't know how to do it. She said, I know you don't know, but don't you have friends that do Next thing you know, now I'm on my phone texting my friends that are photographers. And I'm like, hey, 
I'm trying to take a picture of the 19 million stars, but I took a picture in the early 19, and my friend Jeremy Cowart, he texted me back. He said, oh, is the camera in auto mode? I said, yeah. And like Yoda himself, he said, you cannot capture the abundance of stars in auto mode. It has to be in manual mode. I said, yeah, but Jeremy, I don't know how to use the camera in manual mode. Like, like I, I'm not a photographer. He's like, I know. You're going you're gonna to try and you're going to screw up. But if you do what I say, I promise you'll capture it. First, you have to take the aperture and lower the aperture from 8.9 to 1.2. And I'm like, aperture? What's an aperture? So I'm looking. It takes me 15 minutes. I find the aperture. And I finally find the f-stop, which is called the aperture. And I don't know what it is. And I, and I crank it down from 8.2 to 1.2. I said, okay. He said, but that's not it. Then you have to take the ISO and crank the ISO from 100 to 12,000. I was like, ISO? Took me another 15 minutes to find the ISO. And I finally find the ISO. I take a picture. And now it's completely black. Now you can't even see the tent. He said, oh, but that's not done yet. You have to take the shutter speed. You have to slow the shutter speed down from one thirty of a second to 30 seconds so that the light can all invade the sensor and the shutter's wide open. But if you do that, if you hold it, it'll be blurry. So you have to put it on a tripod. Then you have to download a remote to put on your phone so that you don't hold the camera so that it's not blurry. And I just want a picture of the freaking stars. Why does it have to be so complicated? And so I tried it and I failed. And 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 then 45 minutes later, I took a picture. And this was the picture that I got. Friends, listen. This is life to the full. This is life with abundance. This is life when you've killed your spider. But you know what so many of us? Can we put the other picture back up if you don't mind? We're walking around showing people our 19 stars. Going, look at my 19 stars. And God's like, no, I don't have 19 stars for you. Can we put the other picture up? I've got 19 million stars for you because you are worth it and you have a life filled with abundance, but don't just sell yourself short. This is available to you when you confess, reject, and replace the lie in your life. Friends, I believe every single person in here has an opportunity to step into that. And this abundance is waiting for you when you kill the spider. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful to be standing in a room with spider killers. Will you please, in the name of Jesus Christ, be so loud to those of us in this room who have not heard from you in years, maybe ever, may you speak to us clearly and may you give us the courage to ask one specific question today. Jesus, what is the agreement I have made with a lie? And will you reveal those lies to us so that we can finally drive a stake through the heart of these lies? and step into the true abundance you've called us to. For it is by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that every person in this room said amen. Amen. amen.